We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to Setting the Pace. Now, here's your hosts, Alex Golden and the great Kent Sterling. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and he is doing pretty good because the Colts pulled out a miraculous win against the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. It's the one and only Ken Sterling. Ken, what's going on, brother? I, it's all roses. I'm nothing but positive. I've turned over a new leaf. I'm no longer holding people accountable for their arrogance and stupidity. It's all uh, bouquets of roses and uh, buttercups and beauty on this side of the phone. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that was a a very rough rough first quarter, but the but the Colts came back and yeah. we're here we're here to talk uh Pacers basketball and usually we'll go back and forth discussing things, but really today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be answering your mailbag questions and we had quite a bit, so if we don't get to this uh to get to all of these everybody have no fear. Me and Kent will come back next week and finish this mailbag out. But um, had a lot of questions here, Kent, so I don't want to waste any time. Sure. And I, I want to jump right into it. So first question up on the list comes from ad, a.k.a. underscore morning. Uh, and that's the sad morning. So um, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. But we're all we're all roses on this end, right, Kent? So, that's uh, right. But, but uh, so his question is, is there any trade possible – with the Knicks for Vic, that brings us a reasonable return and doesn't include Barrett. I was thinking. Well, he, yeah, he, go ahead. Yeah, so he said I was thinking Portis, Bobby Portis plus number eight. Um, this is of course assuming Miles also gets dealt for for help at the wing, or I'm overvaluing uh, overvaluing his worth even in this bad draft. You know, I would love Bobby Portis in number eight. I was really disappointed, and I know that Bobby Portis does not. 
he doesn't have the value of Miles Turner and and Kevin Pritchard was correct and Larry Bird the entire brain trust in in drafting Miles Turner instead of Bobby Portis. But in talking to Bobby Portis when they brought him in for the pre-draft workout, I love that kid. Yeah, I love the fire in him and and the competitiveness and the toughness. And I think that that's been borne out despite his you know. Uh, he's had several stops it, drafted by the Bulls, and now he's with the Knicks. I would love to see Portis come to the Pacers with number eight. If they could get Portis in the number eight for Victor Oladipo, I would do it all day. I really think, and I, I enjoyed that article that you put up on Twitter uh, that that somebody wrote about potential trades that involve Victor Oladipo, and I just don't understand. I mean, I, and, and people were saying, you know, it's good to see – uh, reasonable trades and and return that the Pacers actually could get for Victor Oladipo. But I even, I thought that those were way out of line. I, I thought there was a lot coming back mm-hmm. to the Pacers for a guy who appears not to be able to play anymore. And maybe that's an overstatement and maybe that like negates whatever work he's doing in the offseason to bring that leg back. But I, there's no guarantee that Victor Oladipo is going to be pre-surgical surgical Victor Oladipo at any point I I'd be a crazy general manager if I made a deal for Victor Oladipo where I gave up valuable assets in order to get get an unknown like Victor who has not shown an ability to play at the pre-surgery level yeah, so I want to give a shout out to Nikias Duncan, who is the uh, author of that article that I posted. And I forget what the new um, what the new website is that they're working for, but I do believe that that's who Alex Kennedy, who was formerly with Hoop Hoops Hypes, uh, is kind of heading that up. And Nikias works okay. for them, and they do a great job. So I want to give them some credit here, but I I also want to say like. It's really interesting, Kent, when you talk about Victor Oladipo's value. And, I mean, a lot of people today were talking about the Brian Windhorst, Tim Bontemps, and, and Kevin Pelton ESPN podcast that where they went through about four different players and talked about their value. And it, it was hilarious because, like, uh, I've seen some fans that think Victor Oladipo is, you know, worth two first-round picks and Bradley Beal, which yeah. I've been joking about, right? So I've seen some of those, though, and that's, that's where people think he's at. But then, like, Brian Windhorst comes on and he's like, um. Yeah. The, the the trade idea was like Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, and the Lakers like twenty eighth overall pick, whatever this year for Victor. And he was like, "That's too much for Victor." And you know, I just kind of laugh, and I'm like, "Ah, see, I don't really know." And I, all all I'll say is, when I look at Victor, when you trade a guy like Victor, look, he, you, you know, when this upcoming season to me is going to be very different than it ever has been before because of when we're starting and how free agency and the, and the trade market's going to be. But what I will say is I think that Victor Oladipo is going to be most attractive to teams who want cap space in the 2021 free agency class, which Victor is yeah. a part of. And that's why I think personally to me, it's like Dallas makes the most sense to me for Vic. And I'm going to explain why. And it's because they really want Giannis Antetokounmpo. And if they can get off some salary that they have to get Victor to give them some cap space to go out and sign Giannis, that is that's a big plus for them. And in um, addition to that, Victor, if he plays at the level he can play at with them next year, they're going to have his bird rights. So now you're talking about Giannis, Luca, Victor, and and Kristaps Porzingis together, which is a which is a really scary looking lineup if they're all at their peak, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think something like that, like when I look at Oladipo's value, it's like it's going to take a team that's gambling on him 
to get back to what he once was. And that's that's where some teams are like, I don't want to take that risk. But I also think not just because they think he could get back to that player, but because they want cap relief off their roster. That's what I'm thinking. Well, and that makes sense. And I know this guy would be a minor part of a deal like that, but I really like Jalen Brunson. And if you can go out and get Jalen Brunson, that kind of gives you the ability to trade Aaron Holiday, who I think has more value in a trade market but Brunson, I think, would play really, really well with Brogdon. Those guys think alike. They they have a a background that's similar. And uh, and I I coming out of the draft, I really it, when I I was walking out of the building with Nate McMillan, he said, "What'd you think?" When we were talking about Aaron Holiday, and I said, "Man, I love Brunson." He's like, "I know it, but Aaron Holiday." And and so we talked about the difference between the two guys for a minute. Uh, but Brunson, I've just been in love with since he was a sixth grader. That kid's just been a winner at every <laughs> level, won two national championships, has always been a class dude. His dad has NBA pedigree. And, and so I, I think that this is a guy, I think that's a guy who understands the way basketball works. I'd love to see Brunson come to the Pacers. I know that he wouldn't be like the linchpin to any deal that would send Victor or anybody else out. But I'd love to get Brunson. No, and I think he's a smart basketball player. That'd make a lot of sense for the backup, uh, for the bench unit. And yeah. and that's and you and you bring up a great point. Like Aaron Holiday is probably one of the Pacers' best assets that they can deal. And, and I mean, if you have to attach Aaron to a Victor to get value out of it, I think you have to consider doing that. Even if you don't want to lose Aaron Holiday because you think he could be something special, I mean, depending on what you can get back, it makes a lot of sense. And it was interesting because, like I said on that podcast today, they spent a lot of time talking about Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal, Chris Paul, and Victor Ladipo. Well, Bradley Beal basically is, like, untouchable right now. And I think right. we all know that. And I think the only thing that makes sense is Bradley Beal has two more years left on his contract, and then he's a free agent. So if the Pacers like feel like Bradley Beal might be somebody they could go out and acquire in free agency with a, with a pretty competitive roster, like do you maybe make a move to try to get guys that expire that year? That would be something I would look at possibly. Like uh, like Chris Paul makes a lot of sense because he's got two years left. So you, you play with Chris Paul for two years, then you get that $40-plus million off your books. And then you have a chance to go out there and sign Bradley Beal. Like, I know, like, a lot of people are going to be like, why would he come to Indiana? But it's like, um, he's in Washington, D.C. right now, and the team sucks, and he seems pretty content. But if he could play with Sabonis and Brogdon and T.J. Warren, I don't see why he wouldn't want to come here. So, um, you know, as far as winning goes and competing goes, and he would be the number one guy probably on that team. So there's interest in all that. But I will say this. Uh, Kent, when when it comes when it comes to you know figuring out what the right move is, I think you just got to take offers and just see what they have because there's a lot of different ideas out there. And, and one thing I found super interesting, I want to get your thoughts on this before we jump into more questions. I've been talking to a few different people from Minnesota who who say the pressure is on the front office to start winning games because they don't want to lose Carl Anthony Towns. They went out right. and, and they went out and traded for D'Angelo Russell, who was a good friend of Carl Anthony Towns. But that's not enough. So, you know, I I threw out an idea out there on Twitter where the Pacers got the first overall pick, and in addition to that, they took on Harrison Barnes' terrible contract from Sacramento. Now they give up Miles um, Turner and Aaron Holiday to the Kings, and the Kings give up um, the um, the Kings give up Harrison Barnes to us, and then the twelfth overall pick goes to Minnesota, and then um, the Kings also get. Um, 
I said, is it? No, what's uh, what's Jarrett Culver? That's the rookie that they drafted last year. I was thinking Barrett. They got Jarrett Culver and then uh, James Johnson's expiring $15 million contract. And to me, it kind of made sense just because if they're trying to win now and they can get the 12th overall pick plus a, a quality starter, Miles Turner next to Towns, and, and, and Aaron Holiday, who probably somebody who could play next to D'Angelo Russell, because uh, they want to move down from one. That's what the reports are. I mean, to me, it makes sense. But they also are kind of high on going after Victor Oladipo and making a splashy move, which if he wants the max, I think Minnesota might be stupid enough to pay him for the for the max. If somehow you can offload Victor Oladipo and you wind up in return, and I know there are other components to that that deal with Miles and, and with uh, – with holiday but if if you can get the number one overall pick coming back beautiful yeah that's a that's a great thing i i don't it, it the deal is and and you get these in the nba which is different from baseball and and from football certainly you get these complicated deals these three and four team deals with a million different moving parts and i don't really know how they do it but uh yeah if you could work that deal i'm all in because i think anthony <laughs> edwards is going to be a really really good pro player and and we see this and let me bring it to the Colts for a minute in in that I was at the game yesterday and I'm looking at the ring of honor and and I see Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Peyton Manning and Chris Hinton and Jim Harbaugh although it was for a different team what I'm going to say Dwight Freeney is up there these guys were first round draft picks Mm -hmm. and this Colts roster doesn't have a lot of first round draft picks on it you know, you you got a couple, and that's about it. And and that you got Ryan Kelly, and really, I mean, not so many of those guys. And so that they're mediocre, duh. You know, they don't have the first round guys. They don't have those dynamic playmakers that you need to go out and win football games in the NFL. You you you've got to win with the aggregate uh, of your talent. And if you don't have first round guys, you don't have great talent. Yeah, uh, the Pacers, as we've discussed many times, have not chosen in the front nine of the draft since the '80s. You know, with the exception of Jonathan Bender being the fifth overall pick when they made that trade for Bender's draft rights, they've got to get talent, real talent. And if they don't do that, if they continue to draft 18th, 22nd, 26th, you know, th- th- this is what the team is going to be. It will always be a 48 to 50 win team or, you know, during average years. And, and that's not what these guys want. They covered a championship, but you can't win a championship with Victor Oladipo as your best player, even though he was drafted in the top five. You, 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 that's not a, he doesn't have a championship resume. He, he was taken in a draft that was, that was goofy. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, if you can get a number one pick, get a number one pick. Get somebody who can demonstrably play at a higher level than anybody else at his position, and and let's see if we can roll with that. Well, yeah, and I think another thing you have to think about is like you can have this player for what is it nine years? I believe it is. If yeah. you draft him, and that's that's just like you know restricted free agencies signing uh signing them to a five year deal after their four year deal on the rookie contract. So. That is something that's really enticing, and a lot of people have actually compared this draft to Victor Oladipo's draft because of the goofiness of it and not really feeling like there is a stud number one. But I also think if there had been an NCAA tournament, we probably would feel a little bit different about this draft 
just because there have been yeah. so much buzz about what certain players did during the tournament and the runs they had and whatnot. But, I mean, Anthony Edwards, to me, is, like, number one on the board. And if, if the Minnesota Timberwolves think he's not the right guy to you know pair with uh, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, like, I don't think Victor Oladipo <laughs> is necessarily that guy either. But what I will say is, like, when I've been, when I've been watching, you know, breakdowns of, of Anthony Edwards' film – Mike Schmitz from ESPN, one of the most respected draft analysts, he compared his game to James Harden, Donovan Mitchell, and Victor Oladipo. So it's like, if I get my hands on someone like that to pair with the core, the core that we already have, I'm that's really enticing to me, Kent. So it's like, uh, I'm willing to throw the kitchen sink in, in a sense, if I can get somebody like that, because it's not very often that you're going to see that number one pick be available or that number two overall pick be up for grabs. So that's why I think they might need to be a little aggressive there, but... Uh, let's move on real quick to the next question because we got a we got a bit. And uh, Jeff Q at, at JDQ he wants to know if you if we like this trade idea. So uh, this yeah. is this is Miles Turner and Jeremy Lamb get traded to Boston, and in return the Pacers get Romeo Langford, the 14th overall pick, and they do a <laughs> sign in trade with Gordon Hayward for four years for a hundred million dollars. So that'd be twenty five. <laughs> Million dollars for Hayward for the next four years, and then you get Langford in the fourteenth. What are your All right, thoughts on goes, that? Who goes out the door? It's Miles and Lamb. Jeremy and Miles. Yeah. Yeah. Boston. I don't know. Are are people certain that Lamb's going to come back at a hundred percent? I mean, a torn ACL is much more predictable than the torn quad tendon of Victor Oladipo. But wow. That's a that's an interesting deal. Uh, Romeo Langford coming here. I don't know. Dan Dockich's head might just explode. <laughs> like if he sees Woj post that trade somehow on Twitter, I think Dan's head is going to explode uh, right there at the kitchen table with uh, lovely Lee Ross. I, yeah. I don't think he would survive it. And I think Romeo would never be so miserable as being in Indianapolis with yeah. Dan critiquing every damn game that the shoe guy plays. I love Romeo Langford. Romeo Langford's a great kid. One of my favorite uh, New Albany High School graduates. I spent a lot of time with Romeo Langford, but uh, you know, I, is this the right place for him? Probably not. You know, in yeah. the fourteenth <laughs> overall pick, what are you going to get in this draft? I, I I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of understand. Like, hey, if you're going to go out and get Gordon Hayward, like you think he might be somebody that could really help you on the wing, be a playmaker, three point shooter. You know, I, I like Gordon Hayward. I think he's a little bit over you know i think he's underappreciated because he's overpaid so he you know i mean he came off of a bad injury and he's been willing to take a back seat uh to these young players with boston but he's still been pretty you know he's been pretty important to their success and i think that they don't really want to pay him that much money because they've got a lot of money to pay in jason tatum and and jalen brown coming up so yeah they've got a you know they've got a lot of money coming on the books and they probably will not re-sign him if he hops into that player option um the sign and trade's interesting i mean romeo langford it's funny because i've heard a couple boston people say that the celtics are really high on him as a a prospect yeah brad likes him yeah so i mean i I think they might be hard-pressed to get rid of him and the number 14 overall pick. But I still think there's some guys. like To me, this is one of those drafts, drafts that has a lot of role players in it. So, you know, like like you said, like if you're going to pair Aaron Holiday with Victor Oladipo possibly for a trade, you might be able to find your Aaron Holiday replacement 
at 14. And I'll tell you somebody that I'm going to, this is a little bit of a teaser, but I'm going to mention him tomorrow on our podcast talking about draft prospects. I really like this uh, Devin Vassell from Florida State. Uh, yeah. and, and he's someone that's going to be around that range, and I think that he would be a really nice fit. Uh, with this Pacers team, depending on who they go with coaching-wise. But, uh, Kent, let's take a quick break, and uh, we have some breaking news here. So in hopes of growing closer to the community, DeMontis Sabonis has just purchased an indoor-outdoor reverse petting zoo. So 20% of the ticket sales will will be donated to Cleaners Food Bank. So if you have time, it's a little bit. There's social distancing. There's free mask. There's goats on the mask. But if you guys want to go and check out this new reverse petting zoo, it'll be open from 8 to 5 starting in November. All right, we'll be right back. All right, everybody, we are back. We're going to continue talking about our NBA mailbag questions that you sent us, Pacers mailbag questions. So, uh, Kent... Next one, we got one from at Hoosier Fan Zero One. His name is Zach. He wants to know what are your thoughts on trading Miles Turner for Robert Covington? Oh, I don't like that. I th- I think Coven Covington's kind of a Walmart guy. You know, I mean, there's some things that he does well, and there are a bunch of things he does well, but I don't think he does anything great. And and with Miles, you've kind of got a guy who who spots up in the corner at a really high level and can rim protect at a high level. And, and so, like, if, uh, what I always do, and, and what I always did with Radio Talent, is I look for guys who, at some trait level, on a scale of one to five or a five. And, and I think that you've got Miles as a guy who you might have at eight or maybe even nine in a couple of ways. And and with Covington, I, I don't know that he would pop any of his attributes to an eight. So mm. uh, despite the fact that he's a more versatile player, more well-rounded, he, he's not a guy I'd get excited about. Yeah, I mean, he's not someone that you're like, oh, my God, we got Robert Covington. But I do right. think that he is a good basketball player, and I think that sure. he might be a better fit next to Sabonis. There's no doubt about that just because of, of his ability to knock down the three at a consistent rate. And he did play, you know, small ball center for the Rockets. Now, how great did that work out? It was okay. You know, not the worst, not the best. But I think that he does have some attributes that are appealing uh, to uh, the modern style of basketball. But, yeah, I mean, I just feel like with Miles being 23, and I think Covington's almost close to 30, if I'm not mistaken, the age difference is a big deal. And I think you could probably get more four miles than you could for what well, you know what you're getting back in Covington and the contract I mean Covington's contract is pretty cheap around 11 million dollars I believe where Turner's is 17 and a half so I think you might be able to get more with um with Turner's contract than just Robert Covington but I think you know we're on the right track there a little bit better than some of these other trade ideas I've heard but uh another question here Ken I think this is a little bit more up your alley it's not necessarily a trade idea but it's more so talking about when you should trade Depot or, or what the Pacers should do with them. So this is from Adam Ripberger. He says, so let's say that Victor stays. Miles Turner is traded along with some minimal moves, and the trade deadline approaches next season with the Pacers as the 3-4 to four seed at the time. As a GM, what would you do with Oladipo um, saying uh, that he's around 80% of himself again? That's a great question because you're definitely, as you make that deal toward the trade deadline, you're you're probably not going to get 
immediate value back, right? Mm. This is going to be somebody who's a player away. They're not going to want to give you value back. They're going to give you value in trade assets or in, in draft assets. And and if the if the Pacers are competitive next year, and let's say they win at roughly the same level that they won at this year, and you're just you're going to trade a starting level player out of town and not get somebody back who's going to be a starting level player immediately, you're going to eviscerate your chances to to win even at the level that the Pacers do. You know, if they're fourth or fifth in the East and you deal Oladipo for draft assets, you're going to take, in all likelihood, a step back a little bit. And I don't think that the Pacers are really in the game to take those steps back. I would really be surprised if they made a deal like that. I get it. I don't think that Victor Oladipo is ever going to be more valuable than he is right at the trade deadline if he can get his leg back to being in shape. I think he has real value for a team that's one player away and and has some draft capital to be able to deal for him. But, uh, wow, I, I, I just don't see Pritchard and the Simons especially, I don't see signing off on a deal like that. Yeah, I don't think they're going to sign him to a max deal no matter how well he plays this year. Like, I mean, maybe that's a little bit far stretched but because I don't think he's going to be like an MVP level. But let's say he came out and played like an MVP level player, then they probably would do that deal. But, I mean, I'm talking like – just who he was in seventeen, eighteen. Like if he comes back and plays just like that player, I still am not sure if he's worth a max deal because look at some no, of these guys. Not. I mean, look at some of these guys who have been getting these crazy deals. Like I, I've gotten so sick and tired of seeing Philadelphia fans like get so upset because they've overpaid for Tobias Harris and Al Horford. And then they're like, well, we want to trade Al Horford to the Kings for Buddy Hill. And it's like, why would the Kings do that? And that doesn't make any sense right. for them. And it's like, if I'm the, if I'm anybody in the Eastern Conference, I am not helping Philadelphia get under the cap or figure out their cap situation because they overpaid for two guys that are just guys in a sense. You know, they're, Al Horford is a shell of himself who he was five, six years ago with Atlanta. And, and Tobias Harris has always been, to me, a little bit of a fraud when you look at him as a star-level player. I think he's a nice player, but completely overrated in my opinion. So the Pacers have to be really smart. They don't have that kind of leverage where they can make mistakes and overpay guys like that. They never have and they never will. And so I think another way to look at this is like, what are the pros and cons to keeping Oladipo up to the deadline? And I would say the pros are you get a guy that's on a mission to prove that he's still out there, uh, that he's still one of the top players in the league. That that's a pro, but that can also be used as a con because it's become a me yes. guy instead of a team guy. But I think right. you also like the pro side of it because you see a guy that's going to go out there and hopefully try to prove that you know he is still at that level. So there are some mixed things to it, but I really believe like he has to prove to the NBA that he can be somebody that's a contributor on a winning basketball team, and that's the only thing that's going to drive his value up. So maybe you write it out. But I, I always say the con is that he causes locker room issues. And he's so concerned about himself, which I'm not saying he is, but that's that's a fear of mine as he does become concerned about himself where he does kind of drive his value down even more. Because now the, the locker room is bad, the team's not winning, and it looks like you know he's part of the problem, and then it looks like the Pacers have no leverage. And he's not a max-level guy. At his best, he's not a max-level guy. He's the kind of guy you might invest in in at that max level but you're always going to regret it from the minute you sign the deal you're going to regret the deal 
because it hamstrings you to make other deals that are going to put you in a position where you might be able to win. Victor Oladipo is a max-level player being, let's say, generously the 23rd best player in the NBA. <laughs> if, if, you're play, if you're paying the 23rd best player in the NBA max money, you got a real problem. Yeah. No, I agree. And you kind of deserve what you get if you do that, because if you're going to overpay for, for, you know, good, not great players, then that's what's going to happen. I mean, yes, Indiana is in a spot where they cannot go out and be an attractive city like Los Angeles and and, and New York. I I mean, I know New York's not attractive, but if they had the right people in the front office, they would definitely be more attractive. But like Miami, even, even Texas, you know, Golden State, like all these bigger markets, like, they are more attractive because of where they're located, and the Pacers just don't have that leverage. But I will say this. It's it's an intriguing question. Personally, I would prefer them to trade him before the season starts and, and just move on with it. But at the same time, I understand why they might want to wait. But uh, we have another question here from Destin Adams. He uh, sent me some questions um, and some uh, trade ideas via me- uh, via direct message, and I went ahead and answered those trade ideas back on direct message. So we won't spend time doing that on this podcast. But um, one of the questions I really liked is he said, what are the next steps you'd like to see from the players that will be here next year? Oh, in their development? I think so. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see Sabonis be able to step out and hit threes a little bit. I'd like to see T.J. Warren continue to develop his outside game like that. I would like to see Malcolm Brogdon. And I don't really know how you develop this, but I would like to see him develop into a guy who doesn't just get toward the rim, but he gets either to the rim or finishes when he gets toward the rim. I mean, I, I think yeah. way too often he plays through contact and can't get the ball in the bucket, and that's a problem. I'd like to see Aaron Holiday kind of you know temper his emotions a little bit and and focus on those things that he can control and not get caught up kind of in the bickering or the education of officials as he's moving from the offensive end to go play defense. I think there are a bunch of a bunch of air I'd like to see Goga. Goga <laughs> has got to figure out how to set a screen and Goga's got to figure out how to move his his feet on defense and if he can do those things then he becomes a guy that we don't just talk about in jest every week. Yeah, no, I, I think all those are good points. Now, my question for you there, there, uh, Kent, though, is I'm, I'm surprised to hear you talking about Sabonis shooting threes because you've been so uh, against him kind of forcing him. So how many is too many? Is Are we setting the max at six or seven? What do you mean? Six it, or seven three-point attempts a game. With with Domas? Yeah. Oh, heavens. No, <laughs> Just kidding. I'd like to see him take like two and, and make .7 of them. That'd be good. I was really just trying to get you going there. I was going to say ten, but I was like, that's a little too much. But no, I was uh, I was a little surprised to hear you say that you wanted to see Domas shoot threes because you've been kind of see, anti. But that. I think he can because when he was with Oklahoma City, he wasn't terrible at it. Mm-hmm. He wasn't great at it, but he wasn't terrible. And and I think that he's a guy who eventually is going to be able to kind of stand out there and and hit a three once in a while. And, and maybe take some pressure off himself and, and release himself from the beating that he takes almost every game. That's that's a great point. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about the beating. I was more so thinking about just trying to keep the defense honest. Like, they can't yeah. play off of him when he's out there. And if they do, they're going to make him – he's going to make him pay. I, I mean, I would love to see that. And I think T.J. Warren, same thing. Like, 
he's got to figure out different ways to be efficient besides just hitting the pull-up jumper and, and the little floaters that he hits. I would love to see him get to the foul line more, similar to Malcolm, like you said. But, yeah, I, I mean, you were talking about uh, Aaron Holiday keeping his emotions a little bit yeah. tampered. And I actually kind of like that he's not like that because he's the only guy on the team to me that really seems to get upset about stuff. And I like having a guy that has a little bit of emotion that you can see on the court. I hate seeing guys just look like robots out there and and not seem to let, you know, getting beat and stuff frustrate them because, like, no offense, like, if I'm losing constantly, especially, like, in the playoffs, I, I want to show some true emotion of how frustrated I am. So that's that's one of the things, but I get it. He's a young guy. And maybe he's not in the right role to have that mentality, but I just want to see him. I just want to see more emotion overall from the team. Sure, sure, and that's what that is what we want because when we watch, we're emotional about it, mm-hmm. right? What I want to see him think about more often is what's coming rather than what's been, because if you're locked into what's been, then by rule you're not thinking about what's coming, and you're going to be out of position or you're not going to be matched up right. And, and all of a sudden, things get – all those mistakes, they become exacerbated and they continue to multiply. And I don't want to see that happen for, for Aaron. And, and that's why you see guys who are 28, 30, 32 years old not bitch and moan quite so much as they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so my last – the last question here from Destin is a little bit of a lengthy one. So we'll do this and then go to a break. But he said, looking at the coaching candidates left, so I'm assuming he's talking about – the, the, the top four that have been kind of rumored around, Chauncey Billups, Mike D'Antoni, uh, Chris Finch, and Dan Craig, he said what players would benefit and or hurt from hiring each of them. So, Kent, let's just start off here with Mike D'Antoni. What players do you think would hurt from him being the coach? Who would hurt? Uh, boy, that's an interesting. I think it would hurt Victor, to tell you the truth, because yeah. Victor can't shoot threes. I mean, Victor, the one kind of three he's pretty good at is that walk it up three yeah. where he, he puts it you know, off the bounce a couple of times. He kind of gets to the to the arc and fires. Um, I, I don't think I, Victor Oladipo is never going to be James Harden. We've kind of belabored that before, but I think it would hurt him. Um, I'm not sure it would help T.J. Warren because I think that T.J., plays just a different kind of game and and d'antoni is very analytics driven i've heard interview after interview with d'antoni as i try to figure out what the pacers are thinking or what they're trying to do and it's very much corner threes and dunks and which is exactly what we see from the rockets so it's not just daryl morey building the team to be able to do that it's that d'antoni is also driven by that so i think those two guys immediately off the top of my head do not benefit. Yeah, I would say for me, it'd probably be T.J. McConnell does not benefit from that hire. Uh, he probably would hardly see the floor with his inability to shoot the three. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, <laughs> he is never going to be a good three-point shooter. That poor kid. I know. His hands are all over the place. I mean, it just doesn't work. Right. And I, I mean, I think T.J. Warren actually would benefit from Mike D'Antoni's really? offense. Only because I think that he would unlock him to do different things that he's not already used to doing. So if if they would if D'Antoni would allow him to kind of be using that James Harden role where he's kind of got the ball in his hands and he's running the pick and roll uh, at certain times. I mean, not as much as James Harden. That's probably a bad example, but maybe more so Eric Gordon when those two guys go to the bench, something like yeah. that where you allow him to get to the basket, where you allow him to to shoot a pull up three or you know take a mid range jumper. I mean, if they could figure out ways to just kind of 
broaden his game because I feel like his game has got so many wrinkles in it that could be unlocked and straightened out and be really, really successful for the, for the Pacers. But yeah, Victor is an interesting one as well because it's kind of like I look at this year's Rockets team. I feel like Victor is more Russell Westbrook than he is James Harden as far as yeah. his game. And obviously that was not a trade that neither Dan Tony nor Daryl Morey wanted, but it was a Harden and a, a Tillman Fertitta a trade that got Westbrook in there and Chris Paul out. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to think about that. I mean, there's pros and cons to, to him. And I think um, when it comes to Chauncey Billups personally, like I don't think we can really say what players would or wouldn't benefit from him because we don't know anything about his coaching uh, philosophies. You know what? I think that uh, – let's go back to Aaron Holiday for a minute. Uh, I think that Chauncey Billups would, would get him a little bit more under control. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that Chauncey Billups would be a terrific mentor for a guy like Aaron Holiday or, you know, if they draft, uh, somehow they get a pick high in this year's draft. I think he'd be terrific for that to be that kind of guy and help mentor young guys uh, into being professionals. And I, I think maybe a little bit with Miles Turner, it might help, um, you know, with Batadza. I think it might help, I, I, but everything that I know about Chauncey Billups is about behavior. It's not about basketball, so that's where I'm going to go with Chauncey Billups. Okay, and then I think moving next to Chris Finch, um, his relationship with the big yeah. man would really help. I, I mean, as much as I think it would help Sabonis and, and probably Turner if he's still here, I think Gogo would be the real beneficiary from Chris Finch being on this roster. Yeah, I think Chris Finch is a really, really smart offensive guy. And there's a great YouTube video uh, with Chris Finch for about 45 minutes explaining his offensive philosophies that I found really instructional. And and for Turner, for Sabonis, for Batadza, I think it'd be a, that would be a great hire. I, I think Chris Finch would make all three of those guys a whole lot of money and, and really win a whole lot of basketball games. He's kind of that basketball lifer who's never gotten the opportunity to be anything but an associate head coach, but he's worked with really, really smart guys, including Malone in Denver, and he's been the associate head coach in three different places. Uh, Really interesting pedigree. I like Chris Finch a lot. Yeah, and I kind of feel the same way about Dan Craig. I feel like he'd be just a a fantastic guy for these young players to develop. And I mean, even, I mean, we saw Jimmy Butler like have probably one of his best years in his entire career at 37 years old. So I don't think it's just the young guys, but I really think what I brought up, I think it was Sunday, uh, yesterday when I was talking to Mark Schindler, I was, I was saying like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Kendrick Nunn all had really great seasons for the Miami Heat. Now I know in the playoffs, Nunn took a bit of a back seat, but those three guys did phenomenal this season. And I think Dan Craig being a part of that player development, uh, you know, role with Miami, that is huge. If we can get our guys that are picked a little bit later or undrafted free agents that we sign to, to really make a lot of, you know, just to develop in a culture that he's going to set and an offense and a defense that he'll run, I think that could really benefit this team. You know, he's an interesting guy, and, and the interviews that I found with him and the media availabilities reveal a really funny guy and a smart guy, and a charismatic guy. I don't know where he is basketball-wise, other than it, it, his entire professional career has been spent with the Miami Heat organization. And and so you would think that whatever they got, he's at least been exposed to, 
and and hopefully has kind of developed some of his own thoughts along the way. He could be that guy. He could be that next Nick Nurse or what Eric Spolster was, you know, eight, nine years ago. Um, I, I like him a lot. And this is selfish, but he's a great interview and really funny. And I kind of miss that. I like Nate McMillan a lot, but funny he was not. <laughs> yeah, no, he was very serious and uh, gave kind of the same spill after every game. We got to hit more shots and uh, yeah. got to take care of the basketball. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, Dan Craig's interesting. So I think that kind of covers that whole thing. It's really hard to tell what players. I mean, maybe we could do that once the coach is high. Yeah looking at all that but i want to say this ken as we go into take a break i don't know if you heard or not but animal lovers of indiana have filed a complaint saying no animal's name or breed should be affiliated with a human being's first middle or last name so of course governor holcomb has agreed to implement this request forcing pacers guard jeremy lamb to change his last name so (laughs) he is now accepting last name ideas in a social media contest on his instagram so if you have any new ideas for Jeremy Lamb's uh, last name, go ahead and send him a direct message and let him know that you think that uh, this last name would make a lot of sense. I don't have any in mind, but I think Golden's pretty good. So, Jeremy Golden, I'd love to see it on the back of a jersey. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we are back, and now we're going to jump into some more questions. And this one comes from FAA Andrews on Twitter. He says, if the Pacers decide that both Turner and Vic are not part of their futures, what is best? Two single trades, a three-way deal with them, or package them together? Also, what could any of these type of trades pull in? And then he goes on to say again, also... (laughs) Do you try to get a stud, get a couple starters, or get one really good player and pick? So there's a lot there, Kent. But basically, you know, do you trade? Do you trade both in single trades? You deal them together, or do you look for a three-way deal where one goes one place and one goes the other? You know, here's where things kind of get weird. Is that I don't know what's going on in that front office, and I don't know why Peter Dinwiddie left. Yeah. Right. You know, so I'm not sure where this whole thing's headed. But if if they're looking to blow it up, that would be an odd decision. I don't see Kevin Pritchard doing that. But there's there's a reason that Peter Dinwiddie left. Mm-hmm. Without knowing that, it's hard to answer all of those questions with any level of certainty. But I think that if you want the best bang for the buck, you, depending on whether you can get some wing.gm someplace, maybe in New York, to cough up the eighth overall pick and a guy like Bobby Portis, like we said, to bring this thing full circle and and then send Turner out someplace else and get another draft pick and a guy, you know, you're not going to get two draft picks and a guy for Oladipo and Turner. It, it, that would be, it, you got what, the 21 million with Oladipo this coming year and then about 18 with Turner. So you'd have to match it up with about $40 million worth of stuff. And in getting $40 million and draft equity, I think it'd be really, really difficult. I, I think you want to be more nimble, and so that means more deals, Oladipo uh, mm-hmm. in one and then Turner in another. Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to a three-team deal if you can get the same kind of return back that you would doing right. them separately. Like, I've seen a lot of people throw out the deer of, like, trading – 
Turner and Oladipo for Gordon Hayward and a pick, and I'm just like, ah, I don't really think that makes a lot of sense. Um, Salary-wise, the only one that makes sense to me, and I know like a lot of people are anti this deal, but that's the one that I mentioned to you, and I think you kind of were interested for Chris Paul. Both those guys for yeah. Chris Paul. And I think, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect Oladipo to, like, play long-term with OKC again. But he is familiar with the front office. Uh, I've talked to some OKC people, and they don't think they would take Oladipo back. But I do think, like, hey, if they could get off the Chris Paul contract and then only have Turner, $17.5 million, who's on, you know, on a pretty good deal, and he's pretty young, fits kind of the age group that they have right now with uh, SGA and some of those new guys like Dortz and stuff like that. Uh, I, I think that they might be interested to maybe flip Oladipo later that year, let Oladipo play, kind of how they took on Chris Paul's deal last year, see how it goes, let him play, and then maybe flip him as well. That would make a little bit of sense to me if you traded them together and the Pacers are really wanting to win. But all in all, I just think that you have to trade them separately to get the most return back. Because to me, I kind of view Oladipo's contract and situation as a negative. So. Yeah. I feel like if you put him with Turner, it kind of takes Turner's value away um, from him by himself. And especially if you wanted to put Turner and an Aaron Holiday together, that could really get you something nice back. Yeah, and and I, I, I agree with, with all of it. I And these are like, I know they're hypotheticals, and we love talking about hypotheticals, but the more complicated they get, the crazier they get, right? Yeah. The less likely it is. It, it's like trying to hit a, you know, a 17 event parlay, yeah. you know, it, it, it start, you know, kind of winging together four way deals with Vic going here and a draft pick going there. I, it, it's kind of fun to play with that trade machine and, and try to make things work with, with these insanely complicated deals. But I don't think really any of that's going to come to pass. I think that maybe Vic goes and uh, they get something back. Anything back would be good. Uh, Turner, I, I think they could send Turner. I think Turner's got a lot of value. And and I think that they know they're not ready to win right now. I, I think that they were exposed. At least I hope that they were, that the front office walked away from that series against Miami and said, holy crap, are we a long way off? Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, we better really try to figure out exactly who we are and what we are and how we can get to where we want to be because they're not there. And and granted, these guys, you know, Miles is 24, Domas is 24, Goga's 20. You, you got a lot of youth, you know, and it, it, I mean, Brogdon, he talks like he's, you know, 68 years old. But, uh, you know, the guy's like, what, 27, for goodness <laughs> yeah. sake. So. You know, they're in a position where they've got a lot of youth. T.J. Warren's not old. They didn't have anybody on the roster that was 30 or older except for Justin Holiday, for goodness sake. So all of these guys are best basketballs ahead of them. But can you, you know, you're not going to see a guy who's a 7 out of 10 become a 9 out of 10. It just doesn't happen. Maybe a 7 goes to 7.5, and and you're not going to win a championship with that. So you better, you buy low, you sell high. Because if you buy high and you sell low, you wind up being the New York Knicks. Yeah, that's a great point. And I would also say this, like, I think the teams that covet Turner or or that would have interest in Turner probably don't have interest in Oladipo. And I'm speaking more so like the, the names that have really, like, or the teams that have really come out 
that make a lot of sense for for Miles Turner is like New Orleans needing someone to pair next to Zion, or or Sacramento yeah. needing someone to pair next to Marvin Bagley, and uh, you know play with De'Aaron Fox and and that kind of thing. And I mean, even a team like Boston that could possibly use an upgrade at center over Daniel Tice, and I think that Brad Stevens would do wonders for Miles Turner. I just don't think like Boston. Why would they want Oladipo? They've already got so many wings. Same with Sacramento, and same with the Rockets. Uh, that's a team, and, and the Pelicans, of course. So it's like you look at all these teams. It's like, well, do they really need both of them together? Like, I understand that you might right. get more, in a sense, back than what you'd get for trading them possibly on their own. But I'm just, I'm just not sold on that. And I just think you might be able to get more, even if they're role players, um, and more so like lower tier starters that you get back in return. If you can get a little bit more depth, because it was funny, I was thinking about this trade earlier today, Kent. Back in, um, I believe it was like 2001, when the Pacers traded uh, Norm, Norm Richardson, Jalen Rose, and Travis Best to Chicago yeah. for, for Brad Miller, Kevin Ollie, Ron Artest, and Ron Mercer. And I was looking at the whole entire situation, and what happened was this Rose, and I'm sure you remember this, you know, thought he was going to become the face of the franchise, and then him and Isaiah Thomas kind of got into it. And it appeared, that, appeared, according to Rose's agent, that they should have got rid of Isaiah Thomas and not Jalen Rose and kept Jalen Rose. But uh, the Pacers actually wanted Charles Oakley back and said they got Ron Mercer because Jerry Krause didn't want to get rid of Charles Oakley because he thought he was important for their uh, their their environment there in their locker room. So, I mean, it's interesting because I think a trade like that makes a lot of sense where you give up some guys and, and you maybe go out there and find a team that's got some young assets that's ready to uh, to win now, maybe. And I'm not sure what team that is, but that's why I keep coming back to Minnesota. They just make a lot of sense. You know, if you can find kind of a wounded, a wounded hawk type guy, like Ron Artest was, because, and, and I won't mention names, but I know I will mention this name. Jerry Reinsdorf was on the phone with a, a friend of his who's also a friend of mine when when the trade was made. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, Ron Artest is crazy. I don't know what the Pacers see in a guy. He's literally crazy. Well, Ron Artest wasn't crazy. Ron Artest had problems. But if properly focused, Ron Artest was a top 10 or top 15 guy in the NBA because he was a terrific defensive guy and he could match up anywhere against anybody. And then offensively, he was also pretty gifted. If you can find that guy, if you can find crazy guy who you can figure out how to correct those issues and and take advantage of his physicality, you know, Ron was kind of a, I don't know, maybe a more talented version of Lance, mm-hmm. kind of. And I think, I think the Pacers got closest to sort of unlocking the enigma of Lance Stevenson. But if you can get a guy like that, then I get really interested because I think this team is a guy like that away from being really, really, really good. So what you're saying is the Pacers should bring back Lance. <laughs> no, 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 that, that experience, that experiment. Look, if, if they didn't like, if he didn't respond well to the overtures that the Pacers made to try to keep him, and pay him way more than he was worth, then you can't trust the sanity either of Lance or the people around him. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, and, and that was kind of a similar situation with Ron. 
where Ron signed that uh, that extension, and both Donnie Walsh and Ron Artest's agent said, "Do not sign this deal. You're costing yourself millions of dollars." Yeah. But Ron said, "You know what? I got to take care of my family." He signed it. It cost him millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I yeah, it's yeah. You're right, Kim. But we we've got some more questions here, and I don't want to take sure. up everybody's time, but. Uh, we're going to go ahead and just finish We're this out. We're not taking up people's time. We're entertaining and informing I, people, for God's sake. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm taking up my wife's time right now because I'm uh, <laughs> neglecting her by being on a podcast, and that's what I'm more worried about. But love you, babe. I know you're not listening, but I still love you. Uh, this is from Chris. Uh, I think it's Drew Bird. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. But he said, do you think with a Chris Finch hire that the Pacers will be looking to run two bigs next season? Yeah. I, I do. I think that that would be the driving issue of his candidacy mm-hmm. is that he knows how to do that. And he knows how to have both guys coexist on the floor. And, and really, I can't ima- I, I can't uh, um, recommend strongly enough watching that video on YouTube where he kind of lays it all out because it's very, very interesting. And, and he, to me, like uh, – he he taught me a lot about offensive basketball just watching that 45-minute video. But that's what he does. He takes the assets that he has, and he puts them in a position where he can succeed, where they can succeed. And I think that it would be – that's a really interesting guy. Mm-hmm. you know. And he, he is one of those guys – I don't think – and maybe I just didn't see it, but not a dynamic personality. And so that's kind of in alignment – with a lot of the guys in the NBA, a lot of these kind of video room guys who, who are getting head coaching jobs, they just understand the game, where people ought to be. They understand schematics at an insanely high level, and I think that's who Chris Finch is. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that the, the likelihood of Turner and Sabonis staying together would mean that uh, the, the Chris Finch hire would, would mean that that's the case. And you know, it's not necessarily a terrible thing to think about because I think both guys are still really young and valuable, and I'm not sure the Pacers want to give up on them quite yet. I, I mean, it's there's no doubt about it. Like, Jay Michaels came out and said that, hey, Miles Turner expects to be traded. His name has been mentioned, you know, in previous rumors, especially more so than Sabonis's, as far as, you know, making a move. So, I mean, I think that they might be intrigued by it, but at the same time, maybe they go out there and think how can we play Goga and and Dematis together sometimes how can we play Goga and Miles together it's not just the two guys but I think we saw something with with the Lakers this year and they were a big roster right and and when you look at what the previous teams had been that had you know really competed for it was pretty big a pretty small roster with Golden State Um, the Rockets that had challenged Golden State to seven games in the Western Conference Finals they were a small roster now now last year I thought that Toronto was relatively big, having Gasol and Serge Ibaka, but they also went small at times with Ibaka at the five and and, and Pascal Siakam at the four, and, and they did a little bit better this year when Gasol was on the bench. So, I mean, there's it's still interesting to see what exactly the league is shaping into because I think the big man is slowly coming back in a sense where skilled big men are going to be the most prized possession. Uh, and and they're going to be hard to find because I think like at the top tier you got Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic and then if Embiid can stay healthy, those are your top three guys. But and, and Bam Adebayo I think is also up there after seeing him this season. But it's it's gonna it's gonna it's a weird dynamic right now in the NBA and it's it's kind of it's still a little bit of small ball, but I think it's also 
getting a little bit more big guy mix into it. And the Pacers kind of are in that same boat because Turner can be that be that stretch four, but is that where he's best utilized at? And personally, I just don't think that he is best utilized playing next to Sabonis. I don't want him to keep this duo together for that simple fact because I feel like we're not getting Miles' full potential playing next to Sabonis. I, I think that what Steve Simon said in an interview within the last week is kind of instructive as to which way they might be leaning toward a coach. And he said that they are what he's interested in, or it would be interesting to have a young guy who could grow with the organization. And Chris Finch is going to be 51 in a couple of weeks. And Chris Quinn's 37, Dan Craig's 40. So you got two kind of young guys, and, and Quinn's not really, I don't think at this point, thought to be a, a serious candidate for the job. But those are the two guys who kind of align themselves with that sort of young. I mean, Chris Finch hadn't been a head coach, but he's almost 51. Mm-hmm. He's only he, he's like the same age Nate was when he took over the gig, when he got the job to be the head coach. So like Chris Finch isn't some, you know, young guy who's, you know, going to grow with your organization. He's kind of maybe what what Tom Thibodeau was when when he was with the Bulls, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's kind of that generational type of hire. Yeah. And see, what's funny is, you know how I kind of threw out the idea a couple podcasts ago where I was like, would you be interested in, um, or would you think Dave Yeager would be interested in joining Chauncey Billups as his assistant head coach? And you were like, no, I don't think he'll do that. And then surprisingly enough, Yeager goes exactly that. goes to Philadelphia to be Doc's assistant head coach or assistant yeah. coach, whatever he is. So to me, what I've kind of been thinking here, it's like, look, I don't know what direction the paces are going. And my gut is telling me it's going to be between Dan Craig and Chauncey Billups. Um I feel like Chris Finch is going to be a part of this, though, and the more I keep thinking about it, I don't see his name mentioned at all in any other head coaching gigs. And and with Alvin Gentry being fired in New Orleans, I think that he might you know, still kind of have to be an assistant next year. And it really just kind of strikes me like I think the Pacers really like him. I think he's really impressed them. And I think that they might be leaning more so to maybe putting him on their staff as the associate head coach with maybe Dan Craig as the the head coach or Chauncey Billups as the head coach because this would be a guy that could really help make their make their staff a lot stronger. And I'm not sure that's what they're going to do, but I just kind of got a gut feeling they might do that. Yeah, your gut feelings are usually pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it's just something I feel like. Hey, bro- brother, if you don't toot your own horn, who the hell's going to? There are wife. people lining up outside your door to toot your horn, so you better you better learn how to play your own tune. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, I, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I can't do it. All. I can't uh, have other people. I can't rely on other people to do it for me. But that is true. Uh, it just I don't know why. I just feel like it's just one of those things where I just feel like where is he going to be head coach at? Probably next year. Probably nowhere if he's not with Indiana. And same with Chauncey. So it's like Chauncey's going to need a strong staff. And if you want young guys and young innovative guys, you got to build a strong staff. I I really just believe like this makes a lot of sense to put Chris Finch on the sideline with one of these head coaches. But who knows? I'm not sure. But I I thought that was a really interesting question there. So uh, here's another one for you, Ken, as we kind of wrap this up. This is going back to trade stuff. So 
what slash who do you think the Pacers should target in a Turner and or Oladipo trade? So who or what would you like in return? Well, what I need is a guy with insane upside. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I need a either a draft position or a guy where if everything falls right, this guy can be a top 15, top 10 player in the NBA because that's what wins championships. And if you're not in it to win a championship, why make the damn trade in the first place? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go to the trouble of making a trade, put yourself in a position where you can really do something. And in three, four years, maybe, if it winds up being with draft, uh, you've got somebody that you can build around for, for you know, a decade or, or thereabouts. Because if you don't do that, what are you doing? Yeah. No, I agree with that. It's like um, I think draft picks are enticing, but I don't think the Pacers are necessarily a franchise that loves draft picks. Um, if they could, Yeah, get they some... haven't been historically, that's for sure. I think they like proven guys. And and that's kind of why I've, you know, I've been hitting the, the, I hit it for a while and I kind of took my foot off the pedal a little bit, but that was my Fred Van Vliet love. And it's somebody like that to me that makes a lot of sense for Indiana. Not saying that that's my first choice, but I really could see the Pacers like calling up Toronto being like, look, you know, we're going to do a sign and trade with you. We'll trade you, uh, we'll trade you Victor Oladipo straight up for Fred, Fred Van Vliet. That'll give them plenty of cap space to go sign Giannis next year. And if Victor's somebody that he once was, they can re-sign him. They can bring Kyle Lowry back for a year. They've already got OG. They've got Pascal. They can probably bring Serge back. I mean, that'd be a really solid team. But then the Pacers don't feel like they missed out. Because, look, when the Pacers traded Paul George, he took away all the leverage by saying he wanted out. But what we do know is like the Pacers were absolutely destroyed by all the uh, analytics people and all the um, you know the analysts for the the trade they made and said that they didn't get enough back and you even said yeah. it yourself like you hated the trade kind of in a sense you thought we should have got more back than what we got so we felt like we didn't get the return we should have but I think if you look at the last couple of years it's uh, it turned out pretty good for the Pacers so going after young guys like they did they got an established guy in Oladipo who had had a good NBA career not great but he was a good player. Um, that's why I think somebody like Karis Levert makes sense as well. And, you know, I can't see them going full in on like a vet because they really haven't done that before. And when I've seen their previous trade history, they don't trade for a proven veteran that's on the last couple, uh, on the last legs of his career, like a Chris Paul. So that would be out of the normal for them. But I do think somebody that could come in here and contribute right away makes sense for me. Well, and and that'd be fine, but you're what you're going to get is a cast off from another team, right? Yeah. You're, you're going to get there. There's a reason that that team didn't want this guy more than your guy. And, and sometimes those reasons are financial. Sometimes it's cap related. And those are two different concerns. Um, sometimes it's something that we don't know about. I think with Chris Paul, you kind of, you know, everything at this point, he's 35 years old. I don't think there are any surprises but I don't think that you can expect to get – I mean, he isn't going to elevate this crew to championship status, so why? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and you know that Oladipo isn't that guy. So, like, try to figure out and, – and I'm not saying we talk about this periodically, but Sam Hickey, Sam kind of had things – like, the execution wasn't perfect, but the idea – 
was really kind of smart because without that guy, you're not going to win a championship. So take your shot, roll the dice, try to get one of those guys, and and let's see if you can do it. Because without that, you're you know you're you're stuck in neutral. And and what you said about the Pacers not you know coveting draft picks and not trading current like productivity for future kind of promise. You're exactly right, and that's why they've been in this in this endless purgatory of good basketball for you know damn near thirty years. Yeah, and I mean it's not a bad it's not a bad formula. It's it's worked okay for them. They like where they're at. Sure, they want to win a championship, but they know that that's probably uh, you know going to come in, uh, in a couple years from now at least. I don't think they realize. I don't think they believe they're a championship level team right now, and. I think when you talk about it, talking about players that have yet to prove, I guess, you know, their worth in the league as as potential stars, like taking a risk on a guy like Oladipo um, when they've made trades like that before. So I think another guy that makes a lot of sense is someone that their team kind of wants to get rid of him in a sense is Aaron Gordon from Orlando. Yeah. A guy that's got a lot of upside. Um, Zach Levine might be in that same boat as well. Just because, I mean, he's got the athleticism, he's got the potential, but he's not truly lived up to it. And so the Pacers, I think, are one of those teams like they went out and got T.J. Warren, right? The guy that was injury prone, a guy that the Suns are ready to move on from, a guy that had, you know, some setbacks. And and then this year he kind of flipped the script and became that guy. Same with uh, Bojan Bogdanovich. Guys they invested in without giving up a steep value back. And and we're able to develop them, so I think they might go more that route. But that's a that's a really good question. I really enjoyed that. And so as we wrap things up here, Kent, um, I had one more question here. I'm trying to find it. Um, yeah, so it comes from Gavin, uh, my man Gavin. I for, I don't know how to say his last name. Though we talk on Twitter sometimes, but I'm gonna guess it's Gru Gruzuski. But that's tough for me to say. Um, he said, should we package Vic and Turner for a star or deal them separately? I think we already kind of talked about that. But um, I, I think that I wanted to answer his question because I know he uh, he talks to me quite a bit. So personally, Kent, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I would stand with the question I've already articulated. Yeah, I agree. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you get more by splitting. Yeah, and um, and then my man Destin Adams, he wanted me to give out his trade ideas here, so I'll run these by you, and I'm just going to read them one by one, yeah. and you tell me if the Pacers say yes or the opposing team says yes, or if they both agree or they both disagree. All right, you ready for this? Yeah. He said the Pacers get Bogdan Bogdanovich, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and the number 12 pick from the Kings for Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, and two second-round picks. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm always interested in trades, mock trades that deal with the Kings. Yeah. Be like, who wants to be the Kings? Right. <laughs> but everybody's got the Kings like ponying up their whole roster to get a couple of guys. I, I don't want to be the Kings. So I'm going to say no from the Pacers point of view uh, without even knowing statistically kind of who these guys are. I know healed, but I, I couldn't tell you about Bagley necessarily. Um, I'll say no, and I would say that the Kings should do everything they can to be more like the Pacers. So I'm going to say that they should say yes because anything that's not Sacramento Kings-like has got to be good. Wow, well, I think the Kings would laugh and hang the phone up if they got this trade offer. Uh, this year's number 12, 
pick, Marvin Bagley, their their second overall pick in just you know two drafts ago. Buddy Hield, someone they traded their franchise face for, and Demarcus Cousins, and then Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was arguably their second or third best player last season. So I don't think they're going to do that because Oladipo ain't staying there. So you're basically trading three guys that could be part of your future for a long time for Turner, uh, and you're giving us a pick. Yeah, I say no to that one. Okay, the next one here is... Um, and and now that I'm looking at the statistics, first of all, Bagley's 20. He only played 13 games, yeah. so he got hurt. You, you've got Fox, who's terrific, and, and we all know that. But Heald, Bogdanovich, uh, those are two pretty good players who really kind of fit the mold of what we want in guys. Yeah. So I mean... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think that 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 trade would be uh, skewed heavily toward the Pacers, and I would accept it in a second. Yeah, I would too, but the Kings would laugh in our face and say, <laughs> if you want Buddy Heald. The Kings for a reason. They might not laugh so hard. Well, they got rid of Lottie, so maybe not. <laughs> if they would have kept Lottie, <laughs> we might have had a chance. So the next one is a Nuggets-Pacers trade, which this one's not terrible, um, but I think you'd have to account, uh, account that Jeremy Grant would require a sign-in trade, which was not part of this deal. So he had Gary Harris and Jeremy Grant coming to the Pacers for Victor Oladipo and TJ Leaf. And I like that for the Pacers, but I don't think the Nuggets uh, would just give up both those guys for just Victor. No, I, I don't think so. That that would that strikes me as odd, although I'm all in on the Pacers' <laughs> end. I think that would be, that'd be a wonderful <laughs> bounty. As, as you can tell from the first two trades, the next two are going to make you wish you uh, could accept this trade for the Pacers because these are all Pacers-sided, in my opinion. Um, the next one is the, the the Brooklyn Nets get Victor Oladipo and everybody's favorite throw-in salary filler, TJ Leaf, for Karis yeah. Lever, Torian Prince, and the 2020 first-round pick via Philadelphia. So where's that, where's that slot? I'm not sure. I would say it's probably in... Oh, well, it's lower than ours because we okay. had a higher seed. So it's probably like 16 or 17, maybe. Okay. Um, I like Karis LeVert a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think he's terrific. Um, so I, I like Karis. And who's the other? Torian Prince. Prince. Yeah. Uh, hell, I don't know. It, 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 <laughs> I, I am not schooled on on the uh, intricacies of the Brooklyn Nets roster, but he's 26. He's a first round pick, 12th overall. He's by all accounts a good dude. Um, yeah, I don't. Fifth, yeah. I, of, who are we giving up? Just Victor and TJ Leaf. Oh hell, yeah. In a second, yeah. If, if it was straight up Vic for Karras, I make that deal. I agree. I'm good. Yeah. I do the same thing, and I don't. I just don't think that the only way I can see the Nets doing this deal is if the pressure's on Kevin and Kyrie to give Vic, and, and that's that's if Vic does some like crazy off season, you know, sh, you know, mucking it up with those two guys. Like, get me to Brooklyn. I'm hundred. I'm gonna be a hundred percent. I'll be the back, you know, back uh, star of this team. But what I found interesting was Brian Windhorst today said that Victor. Wanted to move on from OKC because he didn't like being the number two star uh, behind Russell Westbrook. He wants to be that number one guy. It's like, look, 
Uh, I don't. I don't really. If you want to win championships, then you can't be that. But if you want a max deal, then you can be the number one star. But it's going to be on a team like New York or or something like that, where they don't really have any established players. And unfortunately, it's like there's so many mixed signals out there with what Vic actually wants. I mean, I get the guy wanting his money, but if he wants his money and he wants to be the number one option, um, Indiana probably is the best place to be, Vic. I, I, I mean, honestly. Hey, look, I want to be Justin Verlander for a whole bunch of reasons. <laughs> but I, I'm not Justin Verlander, and I'm not going to become Justin Verlander. You know, Vic can want all he wants to be what he cannot be, but that is not going to change the fact that he can't be it. So yeah. somebody in his circle has to put his arm around Vic and say, listen, my man, through like guile and hard work and and relentless positivity, you have gotten all of this and this is it. You, get, you are not going to be better than this. And, mm-hmm. and that's the way it is. So invest your money well, take good care of your family, understand that in the NBA, this is where you are and this is where you'll stay. Yeah, no, I I agree with all of that, Kent. And so here is the last trade proposal that we'll talk about today. And if you guys have any more thoughts, send them in to us. We'll talk about it on the next podcast. But um, for this hypothetical trade, it was the Pacers and the Wizards where Miles Turner and TJ Leaf, once again, go to Washington. And in return, the Pacers get Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown Jr., and the ninth overall pick from Washington. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd do that uh, again. Like you're getting real stuff, yeah. Back this, from teams for what really? Uh, th- w- wait, was this Vic again or was this Miles? This was Miles, confused. but I think okay, this makes that's sense. a little bit different. Yeah, but I still but thought still, this was the best trade as far as like realistic what could happen because I mean Troy Brown Jr. is a really good, really good young player. Um, right. I mean, and I think Thomas Bryant's been a very serviceable center. Now I don't think that he's a starter level player. Um, on a real contending team, so I think he'd be a nice backup bench player, and he's at a good contract at eight point three million, and you get the number nine overall pick in this year's draft. So, I think that's enticing as well. Thomas Bryant does not excite me. I, I, and here's where I get a little bit uh, kooky, is that there's that picture in the locker room, and evidently this went on for like five minutes after the Big Ten tournament ended. And Brian's got his head on Tom Crean's shoulder. There's something wrong with, with that guy. There, <laughs> there's something wrong in a public place putting your head kind of in the crook of the neck uh, of Tom Crean to have Tom Crean console you after a defeat. There, there is something fundamentally wrong with the personality of a person who, who would do such a thing. So Thomas doesn't excite me. Uh, but Troy Brown does excite me a little bit, and I, I like Troy Brown a lot. So you, you want to make that deal. I, I don't know how. Let's see. Troy Brown was a first-round guy, 15th overall pick, and you get the ninth pick. Mm-hmm. So you're getting three first-rounders who, you know, somewhere, somewhere in either late lottery or early non-lottery, and you're giving up. TJ Leaf, which is a contract, and you're giving up Miles, who is an 11th overall pick. I, I like that deal. Just in in trade value alone, or in in draft value alone, and potential with a 22 year old, a 20 year old, and then what would likely be a 19 year old. I like that. You you could have a chorus something there. 
yeah. uh, even with the guy who who demanded to be consoled by Tom Crean. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know much about that. Maybe he just needed that father figure. We know Tom Crean has been a great mentor for his former players. I mean, look back to to Dwayne Wade needing a little pep talk from Tom Crean in the playoffs after he was abysmal in one of those games. Uh, in I, two- I ascribe no credit whatsoever to Tom Crean for any of that. Oh, I do. I think Tom Crean oh. is he is the he is the no, basketball no. whisperer. <laughs> he is he he won the heat the championship that year by getting Dwayne Wade in the right place. Yes. That's you've been spending too much time in Tom Crean's home. Night, or, night. or talking to his his lovely wife Joni. We've we've been hanging out via Zoom. We've been watching some Joyce Meyer together. <laughs> and uh we're just really feeling motivated. You said this is all positivity today, roses and butterflies, Kent. Oh so. right, that's right. You know what, Tom Crean? An excellent marketer for that Georgia program. Yeah. and So good. He got people to come to the arena and watch a team that wasn't ready to win. And now they're saying, why do I want to go back to that arena to go watch that team when the guy told me I was going to enjoy it and I didn't? Hey, Atlanta Wait, Sports. I went negative again. Uh, Hold it. <laughs> Let me replate that. That Tom Crean is just one of those guys where when you're around him and you walk away, you think, boy, oh, boy, my day's got to get better from here. Oh, stop it! That's that's positive. Hey, isn't it? hey, you know what's positive? Tom Crean on the sidelines <laughs> clapping because you're playing sure. your heart out. And I tell you what, that brown goop and yeah, clap, and he's got the long tie and he's in the crouch. Oh, yeah. he's he, you know what? He makes me feel better about humanity every time I watch Georgia play. <laughs> well, all I will say is this: Atlanta sports have been cursed for the past four or five years. It really goes back to when. They blew the twenty-eight three to lead uh, three lead to the to the Patriots. They had a twenty-something lead to the to the uh, Alabama this weekend. The Braves blew a three-one lead to the Dodgers, and then of course I was laughing the day when I saw this little post going around: Luka Doncic and an Atlanta Hawks hat traded for, of course, Trey Young. So you know, Atlanta, there you go. Atlanta Hawks sports or Atlanta sports actually has just been awful, and uh, Tom Crean's going to be the savior of that. So um, Anthony Edwards. Is going to be the number one overall draft pick this year from from Georgia, and maybe that bad luck is a sign the Pacers should stay away from that. But hey, I'm uh, I'm still intrigued by it, Kent. But that wraps up our mailbag. We we're going to go ahead and make this a super super long one, and uh, instead of breaking it up into two. But Kent, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully, you enjoy talking all yeah, these different absolutely. trade speculations. <laughs> we'll talk again next week. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm hoping by next week we get a coaching hire, and I kind of have a feeling the Pacers. Might make the deal this week knowing the Colts are on a bye week. That's just true. Saying. Good I'm point. Just, just saying. So, all right, everybody. You can follow Kent Sterling at Kent Sterling on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. It's the same because nobody else has that name in the world. And I'm at Alex Golden NBA. Or Kent's just that old. Maybe he first got on all these different accounts. You know what? Hey, well, <laughs> and Twitter wasn't even up and running until like 2007. I know. But nobody had like a, an account where they have their own name. It's like I do. I know that's what I'm saying. You're like an OG <laughs> man. You've been around for for decades. Yeah, I'm so, <laughs> so but All anyway, right, Kent's everywhere. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. Pretty much everywhere you guys are are following me on Twitter and social media. So until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. And Kent, hopefully Goga is uh, still improving on those driving lessons. Go Goga. <laughs>
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.